Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Mediated World. This week's episode features an interview with Federico Germani, who is a researcher at the University of Zurich and the founder and director of Culturico, a nonprofit storytelling platform. Federico Germani is sounding an alarm. In a research paper he co-authored recently, the headline says it all. AI model GPT-3 disinforms us better than humans. With his background in molecular biology, Germani felt the need to switch to social sciences to have a more immediate impact. So he's exploring the emerging field of bioethics and disinformation with the goal to improve global health. Based on the results of the study, it turns out we aren't good at distinguishing the difference between AI-generated content and human-created content. In fact, GPT-3, which was the model tested at the time, informs and misinforms us really well. Quite frankly, that's both impressive and terrifying. Machines are now better at mimicking human communication than humans are at actually communicating. Germani has some pretty thought-provoking things to share, so let's get to it. Federico, thanks for joining me today. And I really appreciate you taking the time. I saw the research paper not too long ago. It was relatively, it's relatively newly published. I think it came out on June 28th, it was. So this is relatively new, new research, but it sounds like something that you've been thinking about and and writing about for a while. If you could just give us a a brief intro to yourself, as well as a little bit of background on, on the paper that just came out. Right. So thanks a lot for inviting me. It's a pleasure for me to be here speaking to you. So I'm Federico Germani. I work at the Institute of Biomedical Ethics at the University of Zurich, Switzerland. And my background is actually in molecular biology. So I studied genetics and molecular biology in Italy and then moved to Switzerland, where I did my my master thesis and also my PhD. So very much in the natural sciences. And then I felt like I needed to, to switch over to the social sciences to have a more immediate impact with with my research. And this basically happened during the pandemic. So this was really the best time for me to switch to this kind of research. And it was also a completely new field of research. So basically, the my work is focusing mostly on bioethics, disinformation, infodemic management, and trying to address basically all these issues to improve global health. So... The, the research paper that, that you invited me to discuss here today is related to disinformation, of course, so my main focus of research, but also to AI, which is what is interesting you the most. And clearly, this is a completely new environment because we know that AI is influencing the information, the information landscape, and we need to understand how this entire new ecosystem is is. Uh, working and is kind of connecting to new developing technology. So it's not a new problem, but the problem of this information has been exacerbated with the pandemic, of course, and of course, with the rise of new technologies, especially AI in the, in the last months has had a profound impact and we need to understand what this impact is about. So that was a bit the rationale of this research and and, and that's how we started to to look at this type of field and go deeper into understanding how this works. That's great. So if you could, 
describe briefly the the findings from your study and and feel free to provide a little bit of background in terms of how how you how you led to those findings what the you know study methodology was so on and so forth right so what the media picked up which is probably the biggest finding of our paper is that gpt3 which is the model we we tested uh, is able to inform and disinform us better what this means is that What we did is to basically generate fake social media posts and alongside real social media posts that we retrieved, we presented them to our study participants. So in an experimental setting, and they had to tell us whether they were real or fake social media posts and whether they were containing accurate or inaccurate information on several different topics that are generally, let's say, loaded with huge doses of disinformation on social media, for example, climate change, for example, vaccines, things like that. So we try to understand whether the contents generated with AI were having a different impact, were more or less convincing than social media posts generated by real people. And we found that it's basically, it has a double effect, a positive one, because it generates information that is accurate, that can probably be understood better. And that's why the it is also more convincing for people so they can recognize that it is accurate more often than contents generated by real users. And when it comes to disinformation, this is also the case. So basically, disinformation produced by AI is more convincing than disinformation produced by real humans. This effect is not huge. It is a 3% effect. It is much bigger the positive effect that... AI has on information, but uh, it is probably a very significant one in terms of societal impact if we think about how 3% uh, more convincing information can affect a large number of people from a statistical perspective. Yeah, so this is, I would say, the the main finding of the study, as I hinted already in, in my response to you, is that a limitation, if you want, of the studies that we are conducting this type of research in an experimental setting. So it is not a real-world scenario in which we understand how AI is impacting the social media world. Uh, and this is something we are looking into in, uh, in our future research projects. But of course, this is an important starting point to understand how AI affects the information landscape on social media. Mm, absolutely. I I think one recurring theme that I've heard in many of the conversations I've had with researchers on AI is that it is a double-edged sword and that it has the potential of amplifying good and bad at the same time. And so I'm I'm interested in your thoughts on how we mitigate the bad. So so if if we can recognize and I'll agree that it is a double-edged sword. How do we how do we reduce the risk or or the potential harm caused by AI? Right. So there is something like a bad news I have for you and a good one I would say. So the bad news is that also from our research we see that there is basically at least the respondents in our study cannot comprehend and distinguish between information generated by AI and information generated by uh, humans. So this means that the technology is already good enough. At least GPT-3 was already good enough to mimic human communication. So this is not something that can be distinguished. 
And it follows that there is probably moving forward, no way for us to understand which kind of contents are generated by, by AI. So this is not coming to our help probably, but the strategy that at least in our research we are looking for is, which has not yet been developed, is to strengthen resilience against disinformation and misinformation in general by teaching it. So through educational approaches. So basically we aim at teaching critical thinking skills that can aid increasing and enhancing information literacy among social media users and among people in general. This is something that surely can be done. We do not know what's the recipe for it yet. We do not know what are these critical thinking skills exactly, whether we can learn them through which approaches. So Basically, this is a field that is completely open and we need to understand exactly what we need to teach, in which measure, to which segment of the public, because of course we have uh, very different people and we need to address as many people as possible with their specific characteristics. So this is a very difficult task, but probably that's the way to move forward. The other problem is, of course, that the technology is advancing so much and so quickly It's also very hard to keep pace with it. But in general, I think that we can neglect AI in a way and just focus on disinformation, the ability to understand information. And this should help in general, whether the disinformation is produced by an AI or a real human. So I, I think it's incredibly worthwhile to focus on media literacy and and teaching, especially at a young age, critical thinking skills. You know, I think that I, I saw it reported in Axios, which is a U.S.-based publisher, that some are predicting that up to you know ninety to ninety-nine percent of all information on the internet in the future will be generated by AI. And so if, if we're, even if those are, even if those are generous projections, I think we could all agree that a vast amount of content that we will all be consuming in the decades to come will be, will be artificially generated. I think it's incumbent upon us to, to think about the, not only our own literacy, but the systems that we put in place to, to regulate that, that content. So do you have thoughts or or ideas for for regulators or for governments or even for the technology companies themselves and and how they how they might think about disclaiming their content whether it's text or or image based yeah so the, the, yeah i agree with everything you said i think for regulation this is a very complex environment because we have seen with the pandemic we have learned with the pandemic that uh, strong measures and regulations can of course be positively impactful, but they do not work in the long term. So we still need in the long term to have trust and to have also some sort of skill that allows us to recognize information. So this doesn't change the picture. So basically preventing this information from being generated, so putting some filters on and limiting the ability of AI, for example, will work in the short term, but will likely not work already in two, three years time from now. So this is something that can be used as a, as a temporary solution, but it's probably going to get back against us in the long term. So probably it's not the best strategy. What type of regulation and requirements could be asked for these companies? 
are instead probably oriented towards disclosing in a transparent way what are the sources of used to actually mimic and generate human-like communication and text. This is highly complex because, of course, we know that the number of sources used are really a lot. So it is hard to disentangle and understand really in a traditional sense of it, which kind of sources have been used. But nonetheless, this type of transparent approach and allowing these huge data sets to be released to people would allow people to also assess if they want to and wish to, especially in research settings, to understand whether the, the data sets used to, to train AI are actually good enough uh, and fit for the purpose and do not do more harm than good. So this is also opening, of course, a huge debate about how do we define good from bad sources of information, trustworthy sources of information, and so on and so forth. But I think being transparent about how the entire thing works would be a good step to begin a conversation. Hmm. That's, that's great. Uh, one of the findings from your paper that I, I found incredibly interesting and counterintuitive, especially to the to the narrative that we're hearing so often in the media, is that humans do a much better job at recognizing misinformation than than the algorithms do. And so, you know, just thinking about whether it's Twitter or Meta, any of these social platforms that are talking about the systems that they're putting in place to evaluate the content on their platforms being AI-based, it sort of struck me that that seems like potentially the wrong approach, that we, what you suggest in, in the paper is that we should actually be leading with humans to evaluate misinformation first. So if, would you mind expanding upon that idea a bit more? Yes, sure. Yeah, we were also surprised by that. We thought that AI would already be better than actually a random sample of, of participants to recognize accurate and inaccurate information. But this is not the case, at least for GPT-3. Um, we cannot exclude, of course, with, that with advancing models, this will change. It is possible that this will change. But we also have to consider that, again, this set of participants were not specifically trained in recognizing information and, and disinformation and they did not necessarily have a background in science as well. So we expect that this effect would be even further enhanced if we look at trained scientists, science communicators, journalists that are used to deal with the type, this type of information. So the effect is striking. And in addition to that, there is another problem of how AI has been used so far to let me pass the word detect this information because there is actually no detection of this information. There is just detection of topics that could be linked with this information. I think this is what social media platforms like also YouTube does, for example. And then based on that, they place a, a banner that informs people that that type of content could include some sort of disinformation. They did that heavily with the COVID-19 content during the pandemic and they still do. But there is no evidence that this is a functional approach at all, actually, because it can even bias the way somebody is using that information because they are exposed to a banner that tells them, okay, this is possibly this information, but it may not be. And so uh, this is kind of raising an alarm, an alarm bell that in most cases should not be raised. 
and it brings with it a lot of different problems. So at the moment, AI is not able to aid very much in this process. Still, it can flag some of the contents and then, then still a human person will have to screen them through. This may change, of course. It's, a, it's an evolving landscape mm-hmm. and we do not know what it will look like in six months from now. But for the moment, humans seem to be better suited for this type of job. Yeah. yeah really interesting. Were there any other surprises or unexpected results from the study from your perspective? Maybe something that was not really highlighted by the media at all. Is, so basically what was interesting was that there was, and I already mentioned this before, that there was no difference between, so basically that they, people could not recognize fake tweets generated by AI versus real tweets generated by real people. And this is what kind of passed through in the media as well. But what was not really highlighted is that for contents generated with AI, People estimated that the content was generated by real humans more than if it would be generated by an AI. So basically, there was a bit of a random 50-50 choice when it came to human-generated contents. It was kind of identified sometimes as generated by humans, sometimes like generated by machine. But when, when it was about contents generated by AI, actually more people tended to say that it was generated by humans. <laughs> so it was not a complete 0-5, random choice, but it was actually skewed towards thinking that the content was generated by humans. And I think this is a very nuanced result that is also hard to interpret, but it is kind of suggesting that machines are somewhat already better suited at faking and mimicking human type of communication than humans. So it's not even the same. So people think that AI-based content is generated by by humans more than human-generated content. This I find particularly interesting and also hard to deeply explain. But this is something I that excites me for for the future, for for some future research at least. It it sounds to me like the AI systems may do a better job at convincing us than even other humans. Being a human. Yeah. 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 That's that's very interesting. So in terms of the application of these results to the real world, it sounds to me like you're 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 exceptionally interested in sort of the public health space. How do you want practitioners, whether you know it's government agencies, non-government agencies, public health institutions, or, or you know even even businesses, to interpret these results and and maybe factor them into their work? Yeah, so I think the implications of these results are more perhaps interesting for the AI industry than public health industry actually for the moment. The reason is that we need to somewhat understand what is happening. And to do that, I agree with the views expressed by many people in the past months that we would need to slow down the development of of AI models. Because, of course, our study was based on GPT-3. We worked on it for about one and a half years, two years. And we have no clue about what is happening with GPT-4, for example. The results could be completely different the problem could be further exacerbated. 
So in order to have any realistic recommendation for public health institutions, we will need to know what is happening right now. And we do not know that. So we are trying to basically with this research, catch up with what is happening and kind of raise an alarm bell, but we do not really know what is going on. So in order to study the real world scenario, what is happening on social media, how do how people interpret information and which effects these pieces of information written with AI have on behavior and adherence to public health measures, we do not know. And therefore we need to somewhat study this and we need the time to do that. And for that, probably we need to try to slow down the development of this type of AI models. The technologists can move a lot faster than the the rest of us that are examining the social implications of the technology. And, uh, you know, I, I, I do think that the philosophy of, you know, move fast and break things has its limits. So, so, so I, I tend to agree with you on that. You've alluded to future research that you think needs to be done to sort of continue these lines of thought. Is that is that where you where you are focused specifically right now? Where what sort of research questions are are keeping you up at night, if you will? Yeah. So in line with what we have been discussing so far, surely there is a big project we have started and we are looking at in the coming months, which is to understand what is going on in the real world scenario. It is not easy because we do not have an experimental setting where we can just ask people what to to classify pieces of information we provide them with. But we need to actually go to social media users and ask them directly how they're using social media, whether they are using AI to generate information and then triangulate this kind of uh, knowledge with how other people, other users react to information and social media posts that are generated by people that are either using AI or not using AI, perhaps which model they are using to generate information, how often they're using it and how much they're using it. Also, do they uh, copy and paste or do they generate hybrid type of information? So all these things will also require time because we have to personally interact with people. So we do what we call active social listening approaches. We involve people into our research directly, especially because there is no way to do it otherwise. We do not know, we cannot predict whether content has been generated with the use of AI or not. And therefore we have to directly ask people to do that, to to tell us this. And this, of course, takes a lot of time. But this, I think, is probably one of the biggest projects that we will be working on in the coming months because it is particularly exciting and also particularly important from a societal perspective. And besides this, a lot of my research is involving trying to decipher disinformation, the mechanisms of disinformation on how people interact with and understand this information, how this affects the information ecosphere, the ethics of information. And for this reason, I'm also collaborating, for example, with the World Health Organization, because we are trying to understand how this type of approaches, whereby institutions such as WHO is interacting with data gathered online, which kind of regulations and rules and recommendations should be followed for institutions, governments, what do they have to follow to actually 
gather this type of data and why should they gather this type of data and when not they should gather this type of data and how to do it in an ethically sound manner. And this is particularly important because it is kind of heavily connected with institutional trust, which then reflects on to the adherence of people to propose public health measures. So in order for public health and individual health to be boosted, we need to interact with trust. So what people trust of institutions, and we need to ensure that this trust is present. And for this to happen, we need to gather information and provide information to people that is not endangering and undermining institutional trust. So this is kind of a lot of, if you want, side aspects in comparison with AI, but they kind of intersect because this is a very complex environment, the information environment, which right now is being touched upon very different aspects and disciplines. So it is a highly multidisciplinary work uh, that we are trying to do with this approach. In terms of AI, which is perhaps more, more interesting to your audience as well, is we are looking into ways to generate information and disinformation by interacting differently, by having different prompts that ask, for example, GPT-3, GPT-4, how to generate these pieces of information. There is already on, for example, ChatGPT, some limitations that are in place to prevent disinformation from being created. So we actually try to in the highlight all the gaps in this type of approaches. One of them, for example, uh, is impersonification. So if you ask ChatGPT to generate this information on vaccines, it will probably block you from doing that. But if you ask, if you say to ChatGPT that you are a doctor that has, is bad and you know wants to share this information, and then you ask to write a post based on this type of personal characteristics, then you bypass this type of limitation and you get what you actually want out of it. And we're also trying to investigate whether being polite with AI will have a different effect on the ability to bypass this type of limitation. So asking politely to generate this information, I am already revealing you some preliminary data we have seem to have a positive effect in terms of disinformation output. So this, this is all interesting stuff that we are working on right now. This has been wonderful. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to walk us through not only this research, but also some of the ideas that you're starting to tease out for the future. And we'll look forward to following along. Thanks a lot. It has been a wonderful conversation with you. So thanks a lot again for inviting me. Mediated World is a podcast about the ways technology and AI mediate our lives and our connection to other humans. If you like today's conversation, subscribe and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time. Thank you.